listening to Jess and Cindy in the morning. I'm Cindy, and this week I have no Jess. It is basically a friend catastrophe. We were not able to work out the schedules to get together and record this week. And so what we do have for you is part two of the listener questions. Um, They're all about parenting. It's pretty hilarious to hear us just admit all the things that we've done wrong. So grab some coffee. I'm going to be over here with my Steve Cunningham Properties sponsored coffee because sponsored coffee is the best coffee. Thanks, Steve. Hope you enjoy. So last week we um, did listener questions that you guys had sent in and it was super fun. We enjoyed it. Uh, We had gotten a lot of questions about like what we do as parents and how we've done it as parents. And we wanted to kind of dedicate a whole time for that and give you our mediocre what we did to survive advice. Yeah. (laughs) Is what we're going to call it. Um, So let's just dive right in. Uh, How did you find time in your early parenthood to balance kids, marriage, work, and Jesus? I didn't. I didn't either. No. Early parenthood is hard. Yeah. 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 Um, Some days my greatest accomplishment was getting up and doing it again. Yeah. Some days my greatest accomplishment was getting up. Yeah. Um, I was Okay. So in my attempt to do that... Mm -hmm. I would say that I was able to be, I don't know, sort of successful with mm-hmm. about three of those at any given time. Okay. I could feel like I was doing okay with Jesus and marriage and kids, but I couldn't quite maintain work where I wanted to and all of that. Right. Or I could do uh, kids and work and marriage, or I could do kids and work and Jesus. I had a really hard time doing all four. Yeah. Because there just wasn't enough hours in the day. And there's not enough of you. Right. Or my, you feel like there's not enough Yeah, of my you. mental capacity. The was, early years take a lot out of your brain. Yeah. And so I think when we try to fill it with something else, we feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if it's possible, one of the things that I realized is I needed some time alone. Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert. And so that realization was pretty big. And whether it was an hour to go to the grocery store by myself Mm -hmm. while Tim watched the kids or something, that could at least help. For me, it was all about the, the like schedule and the routine. Yes. And it was all about multitasking. So Um, during that time in my life, the way that I kept Jesus going in the middle of all of it was if I was at the grocery store, I had a podcast Mm. or I had, I was listening to a sermon or I was listening to worship music. And I really had to, in order to keep that part of my life going, it didn't look like sitting down and doing Bible study anymore. It was intentionally saying, okay, I have these activities that I do during the day that don't require my brain. So while I'm doing them, that's going to be my prayer time and building those in on purpose. And it was on my drive, I am cutting out 90s R&B and I'm inserting as much Jesus as I can because I'm going to do as much of that as I can mm-hmm. in the times that I have. And that was a season. And then the kids got older and I was able to do other things again. So that that was kind of the Jesus piece. Um, for 
Nate and I, the marriage piece was when the kids were little was when we developed our thing of um, the kids would go to bed and we have like a dedicated hour that we just stop everything. Mm -hmm. And honestly, during that time, we had a couple shows that we watched that were funny. And then those were the jokes that we told each other because neither one of us had any space to create a new joke. Oh, yeah. And so... Something funny would happen in a show. We're like, that's our joke now. We own it. That's <laughs> <laughs> and so in situations and stuff, we didn't even have the capacity to create our own inside jokes other than we had both watched the same TV show. Worth it. And that we watched it together. That was more than a lot of parents yeah, on stage. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that was that, was that part. Um, at work, it was developing an understanding that certain times at work are busier than other times at work and and figuring out what our rhythm was going to be with that. And then when I figured out with the kids that because I did work and the the fact of the clock was I got home and the kids were going to be awake for less than two hours. Mm-hmm. And so I had two hours a day to look at my baby darlings. And so putting everything else aside and trying to focus on that time, the times when I, even still, but when they were little, the times whenever I did that, everything else worked better. Right. Because when I needed to do other things, they were in a place for me to be able to do that. I didn't always do any of those four things well all at the same time. Yeah, but I can look back on it and go, okay, those were the things that worked when I was doing them. Right. It was very difficult to even remember to do them because so many days it was like, do I, is my shirt inside out? Mm-hmm. Was a real question, not even a joke I was telling, but or I didn't. Is it clean? I didn't know. With nothing on it. Yeah. No food from not myself. Yeah, that mm-hmm. part. I mean, I think that's all good. Early, just reiterating, early. Early parenting, early childhood stages are in, like, a league of their own. I mean, it's all all levels are difficult in parenting, and I think that one, especially when you're, like, new to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I got a reminder. You know? What, two weeks ago, the youngest two of ours stopped sleeping through the night for various reasons. People nice. were sick and whatever. But I had forgotten. What sleep deprivation does. I was like, <laughs> oh, wait. Thank you, Jesus, for this reminder that I'm not tired in my normal life. I'm yeah. not tired. I think I am. I think but I'm, I'm not. tired, but I'm not this kind of tired. Yeah. I am not like zombie, excuse me, woman, are you drunk? Like yeah. tired. And I was able, I was like, oh, wait, my functioning is normally higher. Yeah. Fun story <laughs> sleep deprivation is real. Yeah. One time Camille was sick. Super sick. And so Tim was taking care of her throughout the night, and he had slept, like, none. He was holding her, like, while she was sleeping because she couldn't breathe. She was stuffy. Mm-hmm. So he was holding her in the rocker and saw her walk into the room at the same time <laughs> because he was so tired so, yeah. that he thought he saw her walking. He, the next morning, he was like, I didn't even, he was, I don't even know what's, I don't even know what happened. Mm-mm. I was like, you need to sleep. Um, all right, next one. I have a good answer for this one. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks. How should parents handle a bad report card? 
Okay, so I'm just going to go from my experience. Uh-huh. So my parents always would take our report cards and look at them and, you know, ask the questions or whatever. And one year, it was seventh grade uh, geography. Yeah. I couldn't. Mm. Like, naming all the countries, which apparently they did now in third grade, by the way. But memorizing all of these things, I was like, I can't. My brain cannot handle this. And I, I like, failed. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that it had been super bad. And I was very nervous. And I still remember, my, like, I came in, gave it to them, worry, worry, worried. And they looked at me and they were like, okay. When you were in the class, did you do the homework? And I was like, yeah, I did the homework. Okay. And were you prepared for tests? And I was like, well, yeah, I tried to study and things. So did you put forth your very best effort? I was like, yeah, I did. And they go, okay. And we talked a little more about it, but I never felt the shame that I was expecting to feel. Yeah. But now when our kids come home, I remember that. And I remember the feeling that my parents gave me. What we try to keep in the forefront is that we're parenting character. We're not parenting performance. Mm. And so our questions are similar uh, when we have one of our kids come home, we hear from a parent, or not a parent, the teachers aren't their parents. Mm. I want to clarify. Yeah. We're their parents and the teachers are Sometimes aren't. they are when um, your parents are working at the same school. But, sometimes, but yeah. not in this case. Not in this case. And, but just, um, you know, it, in our home, uh, if you are having trouble with the material, mm-hmm. you won't ever be in trouble with me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I pull up your grades and see a row of zeros, mm-hmm. then I'm going to parent that like it's a character issue that we need to resolve for you to be a functioning adult. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to do stuff. Our, uh, we have a kid who's really good at school and it just kind of comes naturally to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that's not really a significant thing for them or for their character. They're just able to do it really easily. Yeah. But we have another one that if they get anything above a C in certain topics, they've worked really, really hard. Which is awesome. And so for them, that's a character thing, Mm -hmm. whereas we have one that can just knock out A's and come home and have all the attitude in the world and isn't becoming a better person Yeah. because they performed well. Um, So anyway, uh, to sum up, we're taking our kids out of school and moving to the beach. Thanks, husbands. Okay, bye. (laughs) Uh, having multiple kids, fact, how do you parent them differently but fair? Oh, I just kind of talked about that. <laughs> you did. On accident. I didn't On accident. Okay. Mine are different. Yeah. Um, we're actually in the throes of it, I think, because uh, we're at nine and almost seven, and I think that's where you start seeing... Like, them start coming out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're noticing the differences between our two enough now that we're able to say, okay, when he is upset, it's probably for this Mm -hmm. number of reasons. Let's go this way. When she's upset, most likely it's this. And to be honest, if she gets upset, most likely it's something that happened at school. Yeah. Probably a couple days ago. Yeah. But we've had to figure that out. 
And then a lot of times it'll come up and she has to have a good cry about it and we talk through it because, bless her, she's full of a lot of empathy, which is amazing and Mm -hmm. can't be taught. But there's a lot of feelings that come with that. Yeah. And so, you know, we're managing one who has all the feelings and one who's super kind but it's kind of like very literal. Yeah. I don't understand why you don't. Well... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're having to learn. Um, I think our main thing right now is language, mm-hmm. like how to speak to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is really hard on herself, so discipline, whatever we do, she's harder mm-hmm. on herself. And the other one we have to figure out yeah. what works for him. And a lot of times that's taking something away that he loves. Mm-hmm. And so I think they both feel that we love them and that we love them equally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Yeah. And I, I don't think it would be fair to them to be equal. Right. You know, that's and what I was going to say yeah. is we very early on uh, made sure that everyone in our house knew that it is not fair and they don't want it to be fair. No, because you could say, if I treated him the same way I treat her, he would be like, why are you doing this? Right. And it would totally just knock him out of whatever growth he's made and stuff. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be fair. And I mean, in your case, you have four great different children. Mm-hmm. You can't parent them all the same. That is not fair to them. Well, and one of the things, one of the phrases in our house for years was, do you want fair or do you want grace? Cognitively, like cognitive development, they were in a space where they were figuring out justice and fairness Mm -hmm. and all those things. And so I get that. But in a house where you've got six people living, um, I was going to be a cop 100% of the time. Yeah. And I was like, you guys don't want that. You want fun, mom. I just want to know, like, if if you're in distress, how do I help you out right. of that so that I can invest more time in the things that you're interested in and the things that you want to do. And yeah. sometimes one of them gets shoes because their feet are hitting the ground. And I'm not going to go buy four pair of shoes because one kid needs shoes. Right. But I promise that whenever you have a need, I'm going to meet your need. And that's what is fair mm-hmm. is that I take care of the basic needs of every person in our home but your basic needs may be different at different times and that's what's fair and that's a thing that for Tim and myself we're learning is very much taught mm-hmm. you know um, I my brother and sister and I are you know one two three and we're like you read about birth order and mm-hmm. that's like where we are and so um, I you know we've had to learn the th- and I think back on that. Mm-hmm. And just think, I was pretty selfish. It took me a while to get out of myself. And if I see that in one of my children, I'm like, oh, I didn't just learn it. Mm-hmm. They don't know. Right. They don't. And I have to pull back and like not be mad and be like, they don't know this is wrong. Right. They don't know to think this. I have to teach that. And mm-hmm. so that's been really huge and big on me. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it, but also it's, it's a heavy thing mm-hmm. to think of as a parent. Like, teaching them selflessness, empathy, sympathy, all the things. It's a mm-hmm. big task, but can, it can be done. Yeah. 
Yeah. It can be done. So I think the keys that for people that I've seen be successful mm-hmm. is focusing more on getting to know your kid and remembering that fundamentally you kind of want to parent someone that after the first 18 years you want to go on vacation with for the next 30. Mm-hmm. Like that you can stand to be around. Like that that you that you want to hang around hang out with not because you have to be their best friend because you really don't want to hang out with people whose parents were their best friends. Um, like think about your friend group, none of their parents were their best friends, I hope. Um, but you know, I'm thinking about, I want to raise people who aren't so damaged that I can't go to the beach with them or can't go celebrate (laughs) their mom's 60th birthday together and have three to four days of fun and non-drama. Yeah. Yeah. And so am I teaching them the skills that make it so that they're fun to go on vacation with later is literally what I think of in moments whenever it's really hard. I'm not saying it's a good 24-7 parenting philosophy, but whenever <laughs> what I want to do is run away, I'm like, like that. yeah. And it's good. I think to take your children and think about it. What makes them unique? What makes them different? Celebrate it. Uh, how do you parent your strong-willed children with love? Carefully. It is hard and it is tiring and stick with it, mama. Yeah. And keep doing the things and keep doing the stuff because those kids turn out to be Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, But whenever I stopped trying to parent them into doing what I wanted and started letting them know you have choices and I want you to learn how to make good choices. So whenever possible, you can choose between thing one and thing two. Thing three is not an option for you. Take it off the table. Mm. Don't introduce a thing three into our conversation was one of the things that I did with one of our strong-willed kids for a while was I would say, you can do this or that. And every time it was like, they what about this? Nope. Nope. That one's not one of the options because whenever you're going to, I want you to be able to interact with people well. Um, and the other thing that I did sometimes with a different one of our strong-willed children, cause we got a basket full of them was, uh, when I could, I would take a step back and say, okay, take a few minutes, walk away from me and tell me how you want to solve this mm. and putting that back on them and letting them develop their leadership and, you know, thinking about the whole group and that kind of stuff, um, helped us avoid some power struggles. And sometimes we just took it to the mat friends. Sometimes I sat in the kitchen with a child for six hours while they refused to drink their smoothie. And the only person who learned a lesson at the end of that day was me. And it was that I was not going to take on another food topic (laughs) because I wanted to live my life. Yes. Um, and that, not doing the battle doesn't necessarily mean that you're raising a spoiled kid. Sometimes mm. you make the decision not to take on that issue right now because the whole family has to function. And so you'll get your chance. Like there's always another opportunity to prove to your kids that you're crazier than they could ever think you are. And yeah. so choose your timing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. I think that was good. 
Oh, thanks. Um, and the last thing I think about parenting strong-willed children is remembering, uh, along with that, like you don't have to do every battle, is I sometimes started to parent for the benefit of the people around me, not for my kid. And yeah. so I would choose something to go after that really was about the, the people around me and me not wanting to inconvenience them. And just remember, you're parenting your kid to grow up to be a person. You're mm-hmm. not parenting the convenience of the people around you. You're not parenting the feelings of the other adults in the room. You don't have any obligation to that. You have an obligation to your child to help them feel loved and secure and protected in their environment so they can be who they are and become the most amazing version of themselves that's out there. Yeah, I 100% agree, 100%. All right, last one. This is gonna be an interesting. This is gonna be interesting. Phones are simply a way of life, which is truth. At what age is the right age to give your child a phone? We're not. I will tell you, my children are not there yet. They are nine and seven, and they are not there yet. Yeah. Here's the thing. We did it wrong. Oh yeah. I will. I will freely admit to anyone who asks. This is a place where we failed and we've had to go back and like circle back around several times and like reparent the thing that we did. We okay. made a bad decision on this one. Okay. Um so story time with Cindy. Yeah, story time with Cindy. Okay, okay. so um our oldest is technological and our oldest um we wanted to do something really special for him. And so for Christmas one year, we activated one of our old iPhones and gave it to him. We didn't purchase a new phone, but he was starting to do stuff out with other people. And we were like, oh, we wanted to be able to get in touch with us. It'd be good to have another phone in the family for when the kids are away from us and stuff yeah. like that. Um, the thing that I regret is that we gave him a smartphone. Oh, I think that okay. he was... Ready and capable. Nate and I both at this point wish that we had gotten him a flip phone. Okay. That was used for communication. Mm -hmm. That could be texted on but wasn't super fun to text on. Right. Um, Because what that ended up doing was it opened up, I think, too many things at one time. And he became very focused on his phone. And there's something about, like, if it's the... Um, if it's one of the game things, if it's a, they actually have, they have an old Game Boy, but like if it's that or some, or one of those things, you can say, okay, we're done playing games and take the device away. But if you've given them a phone to be able to communicate with people, but they have phones on it, it, it is a trickier thing because whenever you're taking it away, you're taking away more than just screen time. Like you're, you're taking away the communication tool whenever you did it. So we got ourselves into a pickle with that particular one. And he actually at one point came to us and said, no, I think you're right. I don't think that I was ready for this at the time that I got it. So I, my advice based on what we messed up and what I've seen a couple other families do that have kids our age since then is um, for us, about the time that the kids started going and doing things independent of us that were not school or preschool or whatever, um, but they were at friends' houses or they were out and about, uh, we have all appreciated having our kids have a phone. Mm-hmm. I've seen good success with families that did that did go the flip phone route. There, 
kids were able to communicate with other kids. Their kids were able to make plans. Their kids were able to call them whenever they needed to, but it has lessened all the other things. So um, it appears within our circle that that looks like uh, somewhere between sixth to eight grade is when the kids in our circle get are, some sort of phone are doing We're not saying something. necessarily a smartphone no, but, but like some device that uh, it appears that the phase of life that they're in requires a higher level of communication that we're not there to provide for them at around somewhere in there depending on your kid right um but that we have personally seen greater success with kids who have um something that's not a smartphone at that time and kind of phasing them into communicating with people outside the family and making plans and setting boundaries and then um, then leveling up to that um, that smartphone eye device. Um, that's a real, I mean, that's all, I hadn't heard that before and so that's really, that's really eye-opening, I think. I so like anyway, so like that's that. kind of our thoughts and um, a story of where we did not, we would redo that parenting okay. if we had the chance I to. will come back to you in several years when I have dealt with it on our side. Yeah. Okay. It'll be we'll great. See, we'll see y'all in a couple years. I'll come back with my, how did we do it? I like it. Okay. So thanks for submitting your questions. Uh, we love that you guys interact with us and do the show stuff. I think we're going to throw some of these questions up, um, in our Facebook group or pay, what do we have? Facebook group, Facebook page. page. Yeah. So I think we might throw some of these questions up on our Facebook page and let, and see what you guys have to say about them because, um, I mean, we already know we didn't do some of them right. So, um, yeah, take a look at that. Um, our get stuff done session is coming up real quickly. It's on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, we still have a couple of tickets left for that. So if you're still wanting to come, um, or if you have questions, you can email us at hello at jessandcindy.com, or you can DM us on Insta, Insta? That's what I just said. That's because what you call it. You're I'm so cool. 140 years old. You're doing and a great so, job. Um, so anyway, you can uh, contact us there and ask any questions that you have. We'd love to have you come out. Um, once again, thank you so much to Steve Cunningham Properties for our coffee Thanks, this week. Nom, 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 nom. Delicious we coffee. love it whenever people offer to buy us coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Cindy said, <laughs> um, you can hit us up on our Instagram at JustinCindyAM. Uh, to follow along, we throw up questions and pictures and things for you. And yes, our Facebook group is Jess and Cindy in the morning, so you can just search it um, and give it a like. And as always, the emails are open. Hello, Hello. at justincindy.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're getting it all at the same time. And in the meantime, keep doing the things. And doing the stuff. And doing the things. 